0: Hey everyone, this is the second podcast feed for the OBDM podcast. If you want full podcast episodes, go to obdmpod.com or rbigdumbmouth.com. We do a show twice a week and we cover topics like paranormal, conspiracy theories, strange news topics, and each show is about an hour to two hours long. Thank you for tuning in. I know I haven't posted on this feed in quite a while. I'm hoping to make it a more regular thing, at least once or twice a month. In this podcast, we're talking about Skinwalker Ranch Season 3, some strange anomalies that they're encountering, and at the end, we talk about the Meadow Project, which is the Skinwalker Ranch of the South. Thanks for tuning in and checking this out. Go to obdmpod.com and subscribe. Thank you all right well uh, i've been watching the newest season of skinwalker Ranch on the history channel uh it 's season three uh, last season, they were doing a lot of experiments trying to use thermal and and various types of like imagery to to capture anomalies and and measure radio frequencies, and, and typically, when they did experiments on Skinwalker Ranch, they would run into electrical phenomenon that would shut down their equipment and make it uh, incredibly difficult to record things or or to use multiple computers at once. This season, they're back in a big way, okay? And they've got some uh, experiments that they're trying to to do to measure some sort of phenomenon. That is above the ranch. Now they they detected various uh, microwave activity. They believe that there is a large source of energy like above the ranch. So they're trying to get measurements of uh, the electromagnetic frequency and GPS coordinates above the ranch. So what they're trying to do is drop GPS trackers that records all sorts of data as they uh, as it falls through this region above the ranch and so they were flying up there in a helicopter dropping out these gps trackers to see what kind of data they can get and uh, this first little clip uh, is about that
1: of the gps trackers that we released from the helicopter we managed to retrieve two of them and it appears the data are intact at this point we don't know the location of the others I've had a preliminary look at the data, and there are some interesting discrepancies. What I want to show you are the two separate GPS data payloads. All right, now, let me explain what you're looking at here. You can probably guess. These uh, blue cubes that I'm using represent the position of the GPS payloads. This is where things start getting strange. These blue cubes appear to be fifty feet, seventy feet below the the surface of the mesa. Looks like you smashed into the mesa.
0: What the heck? How? So they got like weird data from that. It's not like as straightforward as they thought it would be. So their GPS trackers, when they drop them, they expected the kind to of go somewhat straight, straight down. You know, they they take into account uh the wind and and whatnot um but that's not what they're getting they're getting measurements that seem to be as if the trackers are hitting and going below the surface of the ranch uh here's a little clip to follow up on that
2: holy cow look at that when we dropped the payload so we threw it out right there and then look it goes upwind as if things aren't weird enough first the gps thought we went into the mesa. Now, we've pinpointed an exact location above the triangle where we've measured strange energy readings in the past, and it looks like the GPS units bounced off something we couldn't see. I wonder if that's the same thing that went under Cameron's helicopter last year. All right, so, holy crap.
0: So, as they're doing these experiments, not only are they having weird uh, readings, but they also spotted uh, an unidentified helicopter above the ranch, doing its own kind of... It looks like a crisscross, almost like loop back and forth. Like, they're doing their own kind of measurements of the ranch. It's not theirs. They couldn't figure out who the helicopter belonged to, but it was up there in the sky. Um, And oftentimes, when they're doing these experiments, when they're getting ready to uh, do a large-scale experiment, they bring people from the outside in onto the ranch. Um, They will observe the sky and see a UFO, a bright light that will be there and then zip off. Um, During this, uh, they had a helicopter up, dropping the GPS, and they said we saw a shadow of something that looked like it was following below us, but we couldn't see anything visually. So it looked like something else was in the air, but they couldn't tell what it was. So they decided to reproduce this experiment a few days later, but with a plane, using the same kind of instruments to see maybe... It was just an anomaly with the their sensors so let's do the whole thing again and see what happens the stuff
1: that i got out of the actual data logging that's really perplexing get this these little guys they receive signals directly from the satellites their gps tracker units i had five of these things on the flight the data from four of the five was either absent or garbled and get this the one that worked is flawless This is really suggestive that there's something locally going on here. Well, let's see it. Yeah, let me bring this up. So here we are at the Roosevelt airstrip and we did just as planned. We did several altitudes, making those S turns and and, uh, doing what we call the push broom pattern. So you said that her system data logged Uh uh, on board. So what did it show? You're not gonna believe this. So this is what one of our units got and, right. as, and as I said, it looks pristine It, it looks, really does. It yeah. looks I don't see
3: anything looks, in that that looks like anything jumped out of yeah. yeah,
1: now you guys are not gonna believe this. Let me show you what I received from Kendra uh, That under oh, the ranch so yeah, I need to explain this Look at that. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Uh, Just as you saw with the yellow tracks from our trackers, uh, you see the flight out, Mm -hmm. okay? She's, She's taking this path. We execute one loop, if you will, over the property, and then everything falls apart. Many of the altitude readings that she reported were far beneath the ground. In fact, beneath sea level. And not just beneath sea level, but sixty-two and a half miles below sea level.
0: So yeah, their their readings are all off. They can't get anything accurate. At one point in time, it looks up the, uh, like they're up in the air, but the GPS is saying, "No, you're actually sixty-two miles below the surface." Uh, so some some weird, strange stuff going on there. Um, something's definitely going on, and it's happening over and over again. It's just not one experiment. It's a, a multiple. And then my final clip here uh, is as they're doing these experiments, they're trying to communicate from the ground up to the aircraft. And they're using walkie-talkies. Uh, you know, they're doing a television show, so they're all mic'd up, probably with uh, uh, lab mics, all that kind of stuff. And as they're doing this, they're detecti- detecting a very particular frequency that tends to appear when they're doing these experiments and uh, they can't pinpoint exactly why it's occurring or what is producing it
2: look at that 1.6 is going crazy I don't know what that is In the middle of all this chaos, once again the spectrum analyzer suddenly registered an RF radiation spike at a frequency of 1.6 gigahertz. Now that's the same kind of energy spike we've seen over and over when UAPs have appeared in the past. It happened at the same time Eric and Kendra were seeing the shadow of some sort of mysterious aircraft. What is that? What the
1: heck? What? Why is that picking our stuff?
2: Uh, it's picking us up Just after the 1.6 gigahertz R F spike in the control room, we suddenly heard our own voices being broadcast and echoing back at us. Call them. Tell them. Uh, give me a second. Go stand on. by. Stand by for one moment, please. There's no way that should have been possible. It was like we are being recorded by someone or something in real time. Maybe it's in
0: here. So they don't know why they're getting this feedback. It popped up all of a sudden. like Their voices were being picked up by a mic and then sent back through their walkie-talkie or speaker system there. They couldn't figure it out. So a lot of weird anomalies going on. They're They're they have filmed some some ufo's and a lot of weirdness uh they don't know what it all means though they have a lot of data they don't know where uh what it means they don't know where some of these signals are being produced and it's continuing all these events continue to happen but without much um analysis involved so as they get ready to do experiments they know things are going to mess up like a computer shuts down but they don't know why or what is the catalyst for spontaneous computer shutdown or these weird anomalies so um just some more skinwalker ranch stuff there for you and that's episode three so this is kind of like a little encapsulation of three episodes um same stuff happens some people come on the uh, uh the ranch to get horrible headaches uh, there is a, a spike in uh, mag- or uh, microwave frequency range. People get headaches. Not unlike like uh, Havana syndrome kind of stuff that happens. Uh, I, but uh, to our knowledge, we don't have any measurements of the frequency spikes around people that have experienced Havana syndrome. So there might be something like that going out on, at the ranch. So.
3: The uh, 1.6 gig, they just had their satellite phone on. That's all that was. Well, I mean, it's possible. No, I guarantee you that's what it was because they're out there where there's no cell signal so they have their satellite phone on and it, that's that's where satellite phones operate. In
0: 1.6, 1. 1. 1.6. Well, I, I don't know that I don't know if they have a satellite phone. Uh, maybe they do. You would hopefully uh, you would you imagine that they would rule that out uh, as as a possibility. It'd be, think, pr- it'd but be, be pretty talking stupid about
3: all the amount of stuff they have out there. They, I guarantee there's just a bunch of dirty noise floating around. So
4: what is all that stuff anyway?
3: What is all that stuff? We don't hey, know. What so I
4: love is. that. Uh, microphone going into the dude's mouth Gif. People we- don't know. You could join us on Twitch and wherever else, Mike, you, you tell them, but, uh, Critchett puts up all these gifts to add flavor.
3: Yeah. Who is that guy? I don't know. What this is that? What is Skinwalker that? Gin Ranch <laughs> micing up for their show.
4: Yeah. What is that? That's the, I mean, that's the most random, funny, weird. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's like they drop a boom mic in his mouth like a dick. It's like a bathhouse micro dick.
3: I, I was going to use Bill Hicks here. But, uh, there you
0: go. Yeah. What is that? Well, Joe, that's all I got. Uh, yeah, well, I, I I know you tolerate enough. you no. tolerate the Skinwalker
3: Ranch March, uh, March. segment. I I do want to say in general, I congratulate them on milking the shit out of that show. No,
4: I know, dude. I was thinking of the, the same Because the one thing. thing they
3: don't do is go do any sort of paranormal investigations. You got three jagoffs driving around in a jeep, saying like, "My phones are not working." I they
0: know, dude. Five, they got is five people. Okay? Right, I mean, five, put on
3: some jag-offs. lab
4: coats but, because they sound like you know. <laughs> <laughs> just got out of the outhouse <laughs> and turned on, like, whatever the hell gear they got. Well, I, I, the, the, and, the I,
0: accent doesn't help, but he's just, he does seem like a smart guy. He's a passionate guy. I get
3: that. But, like, things where they're like, hey, these uh, um, GPS units were malfunctioning, so we did the test again the next day from a different place in a different aircraft. It's Like, well, that's not going to be valid. What are you, work for the uh, FDA or something? CDC? Just making shit up?
0: Listen, I give them the benefit of the doubt, Cratchit. I know you do not sing their praises, and you think that it's mostly uh, incompetent people doing this stuff. I'm going to take them at face value that uh, the things that they're doing are, uh, are done in a scientific way. You know,
3: I'm just frustrated because of all the cool stuff that's possibly be going on at Skinwalker Ranch. You got these guys just yelling about their phones and microphones.
0: I agree. I I uh, I don't know why they haven't cho- uh chosen to to do, uh like remote viewing more more like spiritual, psionic, psychic kind of stuff. Uh, let's bring, out, bring on some, some of the skinwalkers out there. Uh, yeah, they, they need to get in touch with the more paranormal side. If if you're gonna f- track the paranormal you got to bring in the paranormal mm-hmm. and so bring in some psychics bring in some shaman. there are plenty of Native American shaman that know a lot about the area that may uh want to come onto the ranch they talk to them around uh, the area in the surrounding area, but they haven't invited a lot on the ranch uh, they have invited one or two to do some sort of seances but not not in the way that I, I would envision so i'm I,
4: thinking I mean, of like scooby doo they need to get a UFO person they need to get a psychic yeah you know what i mean they got all these different folks like the they got to have like a, a
0: you know they, ghost hunter they need an a-team of ghost busting something they do they need an a-team of ghost busting to to get it done but uh it's not getting done and uh, i wish sh- they would get it done okay
3: the, the scooby-doo idea they need they need like a couple of goofball characters. They need, you know, a dog. They need to haunt to park. Yeah. Turn
4: out it was Three-legged Mr. dog. It has to know. Or a dog with two wheels because he lost his back
3: legs. And then it turns out it was Mr. Withers the entire time.
0: Well, I got uh, some clips from Skinwalker Ranch. Yes, the show that keeps on going on the History Channel, uh, the skinwalker ranch they've been doing some pretty interesting things in the most recent episodes i got just a few clips so what they've been doing is shooting rockets into the air uh, where they think an anomaly exists over the ranch and they they picked up some strange signals at the 1.6 uh frequency 1.6 i think gigahertz frequency and it seems to happen every time they start to do activity on the ranch so whether or not they're digging or if they're shooting things in the air or flying airplanes around they tend to see that spike in that signal and when they did this most recent experiment they're recording everything that they could and this is kind of what happened here they recorded not only the signal itself but also some audio along with it here we go
1: that's a communication signal or something Whoa, so, so all of that disappears when we go off yeah here? yes
2: I mean it's got to be right there and I mean it's got it's a small a very small cone
5: that's interesting
2: and so if it were a deep sky object in 15 minutes it'd be gone mm-hmm. because of the rotation of the earth From my experience as a rocket scientist this sound frequency was like the kind of communication signal you would get from a satellite orbiting the earth or even farther out in space isn't it that? But the signal was coming from the area above the ranch where we shot the rocket. And it was pointed directly at Homestead 2. So what would be broadcasting a communication signal like that? And where could it be coming from?
0: So it's kind of all wobbly. Like if you listen closer to it, um, it does seem like there could be some voices in there. Like maybe that's the your mind trying to place something recognizable on the audio you're hearing. But they recorded it. And they checked with a local broadcast uh, uh, FM station in the the nearest town, which is about, like I think, 15 to 20 miles away. And it turns out that that FM station has periodic uh, interference with their broadcast signal right around the band uh, that they are tracking, which is the 1.6 gigahertz. So they checked in. They went over there and they asked if they could play. The audio that they just recorded after that anomaly happened, uh, if they could p- replay that audio and broadcast it out to see if anything would happen. So they gave them the tape. The, the station said, yeah, we'll play it. It's just about a, a minute. So they play it on the air and it gets broadcasted out. They're outside. Uh, Travis and one of his uh, henchmen are outside uh, recording it, like the, the full spectrum to see if there's any sort of deviation in the, uh, in the FM signals that they're expecting to see. And this is what happened.
2: Wow, it really changed her waveform big time. Look how the waveform is reacting to it, though. You see that? What's right here? When an FM radio station broadcasts music or anything over the airways, the frequency always has a constant and uniform pattern. You shouldn't see any deviation in it, no matter what the sound is. But as soon as Jen started broadcasting the sound from our 1.6 gigahertz signal, the station's frequency began showing strange sporadic spikes. Now that shouldn't be possible. So it really made us wonder if our experiment might stimulate something strange out here in the basin community. And if so, would it be anything like the phenomena we've seen on Skinwalker Ranch?
1: This has just been a test, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll put you back to the music now. I'm
0: Jen Rook. So within 12 hours of that broadcast, uh, around the area, they had objects in the sky, right around, I think, five to six white or orange globes, very large, in the sky around that town, uh, about 15 to 20 miles away. They have various uh, uh, pieces of video that was given to them by people in the town and the person who is the ranch manager. So, it looks like not only when they provoke the, uh, I guess, the phenomenon on the ranch by either digging or shooting rockets, but for them to broadcast it out, it also provoked a response, almost like, I think, an automated response at this point. It's almost like if there is a portal there, it is being monitored, and anytime there is activity around it that could disrupt or impede that portal... An automated alert is sent and then there is a response and a, or a sentry, a robotic sentry is sent to observe to see what is going on to make sure everything is supposed to be working the way it is. And when they got that a 1.6 gigahertz um, audio signal, it's almost like a communication thing where they were basically ordered to come in and check out the area. It seems like this is some sort of, in my this theory, is an automated security system to ensure whatever kind of portal or activity that's going on at the ranch remains safe and secure. Make sure these uh, goofball humans aren't mucking up the works. It's, it's, like, also, it's like, it a
3: also like a nest. I was going to say, is it is like a, maybe an alien dog whistle?
0: Yeah, n- not, uh, not unlike that. I would say that's, that's pretty darn close uh because a lot of times it does seem robotic like they do something and then there's a response almost automatically like it would it wouldn't make sense if like there was some sort of this intelligence there having to monitor us all the time it would be very cumbersome you just set up like a, an alert and then once there's some sort of trigger you fire off a sentry to go check it out now David Politis watched the episode, and he had a a bit of a different take on what the signal sounded like and what it could mean or the origin of it. And this is David Politis from Missing 411 talking about it. Here we go.
6: When Travis played the sounds that they picked up, which they said was communication, I'm not sure if anyone else picked up on this, but I watched this with somebody else very close to me. And we both agreed that it almost sounded like underwater echoes, like sounds from a submarine, kind of. That echoing type sound. Why is that important? Well, remember, they stated that when the aircraft were flying around and doing GPS coordinates, that the GPS coordinates went underground well also i just told you about this huge reservoir less than a mile from the ranch so could those sounds that they heard have been emanating from that location
0: so david politis investigates missing 411 in the profiles oftentimes when people go missing it is near a body of water near a border field uh at certain points in time and skinwalker ranch is located about, uh, I think, a couple miles away from a large reservoir, uh, a very large body of water. And that body of water actually could uh, go underneath the ranch through under, underground tunnels. Uh, and Skinwalker Ranch, there is numerous boulders. Um, and so what he talks about, David Politis, falls in line with what is going on at the ranch, and they're probably looking at the same phenomenon just at different angles. Uh, and what it reminds me of a little bit like the automated response is it does remind me of a Star Trek episode, Star Trek Next Generation, where Picard and his team go down to a planet and they are met with uh, um, holograms and sentry bots that are programmed to fight people who show up there as sort of a, a weapons demonstration to sell a package of weapons to customers. And uh, the system had been left on for thousands of years. The civilization that built this weapon system to showcase itself and to be sold had long since been, uh, long since died off and uh, was, died, had died out, but the, the system, the automatic system was left in place and still operated, but it just, Turned its target on any new person that showed up there and that's kind of what the what I'm getting out of Skinwalker Ranch is like a, it's a system that's been left on and it's just reacting to any new person or culture that moves into that area whether it's like the tribes from like a thousand years ago and now it is a modern day society and the white man trying to go in there and figure it out but Bigelow had the ranch before them um, and Bigelow's not sharing too many things. He's not really uh, releasing a lot of data. But within the past two episodes on Skinwalker Ranch, people who formerly worked on the ranch, who probably had to sign NDAs, are now able to talk about their experiences on the ranch. And so they're trying to help Travis out and at least kind of point him in the right direction to where there could be underground caves. Uh, where there could be entrances into underneath the ranch. Um, And so that's what they're dealing with now. But they're no closer to figuring this thing out. It's just more things on top of another. But at least they recorded that signal and they're able to, I guess, provoke it at will when broadcasting it. I find it to be fascinating. Um, That's all I got on Skinwalker Ranch, guys. That's all I got. Sorry, I was just connecting David Politis to Bigfoot. I got distracted.
4: Is there, is there a campground? Is there campground access to Skinwalker Ranch?
0: So there is surrounding property. Uh, a person who's been on this show, Ryan Burns, he owns uh, a property that is really close to Skinwalker Ranch, probably adjacent. And you can go out there and stay with him if you know if you know him. You can say, "Hey, can I just come and crap and shit on your lawn and hang out for a few weeks?" And <laughs> I'm sure if you do, if you give him a swing of some cash, you'd probably do it. Currently, um. The podcast associate of mine, Tony from the Confessionals, he's out there right, right next to Skinwalker Ranch doing uh, a new uh, docu-series trying to provoke these entities or phenomenon to do a new, uh, a new show on it. So you can go out there, you can stay out there, but access to the ranch itself is, is limited and that you got to get permission. It's private property, you've got to get permission to go on there.
3: I like the idea of asking people if it's okay to camp on their property by just specifying you want to just shit on their lawn.
0: Can I take a crap or a shit on your lawn? Mark my territory. And I mean, you're desecrating the land at that point.
4: If, but, if these people were smart, the people who own this property, Airbnb the fuck
0: out of
3: that thing, man. Sell it to Disney. Make it a Disneyland.
0: Uh, I think that ideally that's what they want to do at some point in the future. The problem is they got to figure out what they're dealing with. And when you go to the ranch, oftentimes you will experience uh, physical problems whether it is horrific migraine headaches, radiation burns or night terrors. So Travis, the lead investigator, scientist on Skinwalker Ranch, he said that uh, when he goes to the ranch and sleeps there, he has night terrors almost every other night. But when he the, the season ends, and he he takes a break and goes home uh they go away. He just has regular night's rest, so uh that might not I guess if you're into getting terrified to death during your sleep, then it's the place to go. yeah, just sign if, a waiver if If, if you don't <laughs> mind being uh radiated going to the ranch, then fine, you'd have to sign that waiver too. but that's a real thing they' they measure spikes in radiation. When this activity is, is is occurring, which is also very dangerous.
5: Please, let's do it.
0: I have been listening to and researching uh, a lot about this topic called the Meadow Project. The Meadow Project is a title of a book, an audio book, that talks about this place somewhere in the South that is supposed to be the Skinwalker Ranch of the South. Now, initially, I heard about it through our uh, Discord, which, way, by the way, people can join by hopping on the Patreon or donating through PayPal. Um, And someone posted it up there a few months ago. Hey, Mike, have you checked out this thing, The Meadow Project? And I didn't have time to look at it, but then it started to come back into my, my purview, and I started to to research it a little bit. I downloaded the audiobook, started combing through everything. Now in this book, uh, the author is very guarded with the exact location of where this place is. Now he says it's a a hotspot of paranormal activity, ranging from UFOs, Bigfoot sightings, par- just A whole host of things, the same kind of uh, uh, anomalies that you hear about on Skinwalker Ranch. But during the book, he did reference a lot of historical UFO events. And I was able to cross-reference some of the stuff that I have on Kindle, some of my personal books. And I pretty much have it. this place narrowed down. Even though he he claims that um, if you want to visit the ranch, or not this ranch, but this... Plot. I will say of this plot of five to ten acres, which I believe is on state property. You have to sign an NDA, and you know you can go out there. You can do your own investigations, uh, but you can't disclose the location of this to anybody because he doesn't want a bunch of local yokels coming out there. Um, yahoo's bunch of yahoos mucking up the works, and I completely understand his thought process behind that because. If the location was to to get out there, you'd get uh, crazy people out there with their their ghost machines and and out there in their wizard robes trying to channel these spirits. Skinwalker Ranch is guarded. They have armed guards. It's fenced off. Fairly hard to get in there. This place, I believe it is on state property. He didn't say as much, but I, I managed to pinpoint this location. Well, not pinpoint. I managed to narrow it down. To pretty much the northeastern corner of Alabama and I have a better idea of, of exactly where this location is but I'm not going to say it's just a, a guess my my general guess I'm like 75% sh- sure it is northeastern corner of Alabama um where I pinpointed it to I'm, I'm about 50 50 out at this point but it's a fascinating tale uh uh That uh, these team, this team of researchers, just kind of stumbled across this hotspot of paranormal activity um, and they decided to bring in some additional help to fully investigate this. Now, uh, the author has uh, a background in, I believe, uh, Army intelligence. He's worked for the Defense Department. One of his buddies also has a military background. And then the, the other people that they recruited to come on this property with them to document their experiences come from a wide range of backgrounds. A person was uh, really into investigating Bigfoot, uh, didn't investigate UFOs, he just investigated Bigfoot. Then they had a person that was really into investigating ghosts and the the paranormal and poltergeist. Another person really into UFOs. So it was almost like uh, uh, an eight to nine person group with a mixed background and at the core... Uh, uh, were people that were fairly skilled um, or at least trained military tactics, intelligence, and using uh, some of this equipment like forward looking infrared, uh, night vision, and they had some pretty good equipment along the way. And so they, they, throughout the book it you know goes into the the history of this region some of the weird uh, paranormal uh, experiences that people in this part of the country have experienced. And he tells tales from people from Georgia, from, he doesn't mention Alabama, but I suspect that's where it came from. That's where I was able to pinpoint some of these stories. And it goes on to say that a lot of people in this area uh, did even have sightings of strange, tall, Bigfoot-type creatures while they were out picking berries, which is something that it uh, does happen in the missing 411 profile point, where a lot of times when people go missing, uh, they're out there picking huckleberries, maybe even blueberries. It is one of those things that does happen. Now, while they're out there, they're, over, they're out on this property multiple days uh, at a time. They have a campsite, and then they will actually hike in to the hotspot of paranormal activity. And they have some pretty advanced equipment. Um, they all have uh, forward looking infrared. They have uh, radiation detectors. They have uh, a CB radio, short wave radio for communication over longer distance, um, uh, spirit boxes for supposedly communicating with the unseen or the dead. Uh, just a whole, all your ghost busting gadgets that you could want, they got them. And on one night, they were. Traveling through the, the wooded areas here, and they said they, they, they like to travel to this area. Uh, for the most part, they they like to go to this area when it is winter because they said there's less leaves, there's less uh, obstruction of, of view, and um, so that's why they, they like to go out there, which led me to believe it's probably northern uh, Alabama. Because I, I don't know how much of the seasons really change, like how, many, how much like leaf loss there is down in southern Alabama or like the southern part of the states. Uh, I would say not much. Uh, but maybe up in the north, there's a little bit more of the season changing. And so on, on one such evening, uh, their buddy Bob uh, was was walking along and he was walking from a designated point and they were... In constant communication with him over CB, he had his equipment with him. He had he had a GPS tracker on, and he was just going to a location to see if he experienced anything. And then uh, he didn't really. He made it to the marker, uh, but he said he got to the marker faster than he anticipated. Like he just kind of zoned out, and he somehow he arrived at this marker that uh, they agreed that he would he would be at. And uh, he didn't really know how it happened. He may have just been daydreaming. But I pulled this little clip from uh, the audio book. And I got several clips here. Where they actually have. And I didn't see it. This is in the book. I haven't seen any of this evidence. But they claim to have. They claim to have. FLIR footage of Bob. Turning into an orb. And traversing the landscape. And then coming back into the shape of a human form through the forward-looking infrared that measures uh, temperature. And so here is uh, this little clip right here. It's about a minute and a half of uh, Bob turning into an orb. Here we go.
5: Daryl started watching for Bob on his FLIR unit and detected him right away. Bob's man-shaped heat signature was obvious in the machine's eyepiece as he approached Daryl's position at the far end of the clearing. Then something extremely strange happened. As Daryl was observing Bob through the flerscope, he saw the human shape of Bob's body turn into a sphere of heat or energy detected and registered on the scope. To his astonishment, this sphere of energy that he assumed was still Bob appeared to move towards him traveling about 300 feet in 8 seconds. This means Bob would have had to run that distance over rough ground in the dark at a speed greater than 25 miles an hour. This understandably rattled Darrell. When Bob finally reached his location, Darrell asked him how he felt. Bob replied he was fine, why did he ask? Daryl explained what he had just witnessed. Bob stated that from his vantage, nothing seemed odd or strange. Time flowed as it should, and nothing appeared to him out of the ordinary. Not long after this, Bob and Darrell heard a low chattering or deep mumbling from the ridge top to the south. This extraordinary vocalization was also heard by Tim, Kristen, and me.
0: And they would hear a lot of that. They would hear a lot of weird sounds coming from the woods. And they had a full-on naturalist with them that could identify plants identify uh, uh, various animal sounds that were supposedly native to that location. So if they heard like a bird, uh, this guy was like, ah, that's a blue jay. Ah, hawk. You know, he he was good. And a lot of the sounds that uh, they found to be uh, weird, the, the naturalist would say, well, that's not something that I recognize or that type of animal is not native to this part of the country. And they would hear that a lot. Um they went back to camp like after that and they they say okay this is all kind of weird and during the night they were woken up by like a a stark white humanoid figure looking at them uh from around a tree um and they just found it to be kind of curious they didn't have time to pick up their camera and take a picture by the time they 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 picked up their camera and tried to take a picture it was it was gone But there have been numerous sightings of other white humanoid kind of creatures from this area. Now, Bob did have his GPS tracking on. So the following day after the encounter with the the white creature, uh, they said, hey, let's go ahead and check out your GPS to see what happened when it looked like you turned into an orb. And here's what they
5: found. The GPS track showed Bob having crossed the large creek several times, then making several trips in various straight lines many miles all around the Coal Springs campsite and then returning to the meadow. You must realize that this is mountainous terrain and it is not possible to travel in a straight line on foot or by vehicle, it just cannot be done. The only way Bob could have made this track was if he had been in some type of flying craft traversing the landscape overhead. Bob had this GPS on his person the entire night. Is this what happened during his missing time or the transformation into an energy sphere? We spent Saturday mostly talking and exploring the nearby area.
0: Now, if people recall... um. I played a couple of segments from Skinwalker Ranch Season 3 where they're also experiencing some weird GPS anomalies. And and on, on that show, they're dropping the GPS out of a plane and it appears to bounce off of something or go into the the rocks itself and then reappear out on the other side almost as if it went through some sort of portal or pathway that is not completely obvious to us humans. And they, they capture that at that a few different times what they experienced here uh, bob the orb uh they actually claimed to have footage of him transforming into an orb and then floating along or in some sort of conveyance to go over the terrain in a much quicker fashion right around 25 miles an hour um now during this i mean that's pretty bizarre in and of itself but during this as they make their their advancement into the meadow night after night, uh, trip after trip, they they pick up these FLIR signatures of these cubes. Uh, and they appear to be like nine foot by nine foot. Um, and they they don't really know what they are. Although when one team approached an area where the cube was, the team disappeared for a little bit. And the team, I think the two or three person team that went near this cube, they said they almost had like tunnel vision where um, all the sound around them was deadened. They couldn't hear anything. Uh, The other team that was observing them said they lost track of them. They lost sight of them. They couldn't hear them anymore. They couldn't see them anymore. And any sort of communication they tried to make with them was was lost. Uh, any sort of audio cues, they tried to whistle, that kind of stuff, that was not heard. It was almost like they were in a cone of silence, and they were transported into some sort of a dimensional pocket, uh, some sort of ho- holding place. But they said uh, it looked relatively normal in there. It was easy to get into that meadow um, where that dimensional pocket was, but coming back out, they said it was much more difficult. Like, there was much more heavy plant growth on the way out than in the way in, on the way in. So, they go back, uh, they keep going back to this meadow over and over again. And they managed to capture some uh, of these cubes through their forward-looking infrared and their all-spectrum cameras. And here's a little clip from
5: that. David decided to photograph the west end of the meadow in direct alignment with the tracks. David was using his full-spectrum camera, which detects and photographs ultraviolet, infrared, and visible light. In the viewfinder of the camera, David saw what appeared to be a cube nine feet on each side. The box was not visible to the naked eye. Each time they brought the camera to eye level, the cube appeared. They moved a few yards to each side to see if it would affect the visibility of the phenomena. It was still there regardless of their position. David decided to photograph the box for further study, only to realize that he had forgotten to insert the SD card into the camera before departing camp. Dumbass. They decided to move closer. When they were within 100 yards of the cube, it disappeared. During this experience, David and Terry also reported hearing faint voices coming from deep in the forest. Boxes or cubes are not unheard of in areas of high strangeness. As mentioned before, the legendary Skinwalker Ranch in Utah has numerous reports of flying boxes with blinking lights. Famous UFO researcher Dr. Jacques Valli went to Brazil in the 1980s to investigate reports of strange flying boxes that made odd humming sounds while moving through the air. In his book, Confrontations, A Scientist's Search for Alien Contact, he recounts the events in Panorama, Brazil, where these box-shaped UFOs known as chupas by the locals would emit a beam or ray that had been known to kill or injure people on the ground.
0: Uh, I've also read reports of a different kind of, of box, but what they referenced there is almost a refrigerator sized box that they they saw in the woods, but theirs was like nine by nine. The ones on Skinwalker Ranch are pretty much the size of a refrigerator. And there are numerous, numerous reports of seeing it's silhouetted, even against the moon, flying over the ranch, which is pretty ridiculous. Uh, if what they're conveying is true, and then what is seen on Skinwalker Ranch is true, then there's some sort of correlation here. Uh, they're experiencing much the same things. Now, uh, I've read stories where people have encountered humanoids, uh, almost elf-like creatures that are carrying a box. And one such, one such instance from uh, uh, a northern European country, uh, two hikers were were out. They encountered uh, what they described as an elf like entity. They approached him to see if he needed any help. Uh, this elf like entity whipped around, had a box on on the front of him, almost like he was holding it, and it emitted a ray at the two hikers and it Irradiated them, causing radiation burns and radiation poisoning on both the hikers. Uh, they were horribly sick for two days and had to get uh, medical attention uh, so they wouldn't die. Um, so the the box, the UFO box, the alien box, is pretty consistent throughout a lot of niche UFO lore. Um, but they're they're investigated in relation to some sort of portal and in. And, and, The phenomenon that that cone of silence um, really resembles a lot of what people in missing 411 profiles experience, where everything kind of goes quiet around you and you can't hear the ambient sound of the forest anymore. You can't hear the birds chirping or anything else. You don't hear the wind. It's just a cone of silence. It's almost like you are taken to another place and hopefully you can retrack. Retrace your steps and get back out, uh, because a lot of times, if you're if you're alone, uh, that cannot happen or it doesn't happen unless you're lucky. Now they continue on with their investigation. They they use um, some of the uh, Dr. Stephen Greer's uh, protocols. The uh, close uh, the uh, I think it's the CE five protocols where you get around in a group. You do basically a group meditation to try to bring in entities to, to say, hey, we're here, we want to party, will not you come say hi to us? They tried some of that, and they attracted some, some orbs. Some of the more interesting interactions from the book is when they decided to use a spirit box, and they went out to the meadow to try to communicate with whatever is out there. And the the way they did this is that they had one person asking the question, and then the person who was listening to the spirit box was blindfolded, and they put ear muff uh, like I guess maybe ear suppression headphones over them, um, and and then earbuds in so they could hear the spirit box. So I guess the philosophy of the spirit box is it flips through a lot of radio stations, and in the static. Uh, You can hear voices, and those voices are from beyond this realm. It could be dead ones. It could be aliens, different consciousnesses, whatever it is. But they were using that spirit box in that way, and they they blindfolded the guy and put the earmuffs over him as to not give him visual cues or kind of uh, taint his response in any way. And during those conversations, it seems like, Uh, They were talking to someone who was responsible or using these cubes as a portal in some way and recognized that there is an energy spike. They didn't measure radiation spikes when these portals occur. Now, they didn't say what they were used for exactly other than a means of conveyance. They didn't say who uh, the the person or the entity on the other side of the spirit box was very uh, tight-lipped about how they operate, but they did this communication several times and to some, to some degree of success. I mean, as much success as you can have is flipping through a radio stations hoping to hear for a vo- uh, hear a voice and kind of piece it together. But it was uh, fascinating to listen to, and then there, I have one last clip. Um, and this is in reference to uh, Missing 411, and they, uh, they referenced this uh, in the books. So here it is.
5: Laying all the facts in front of me, I was at a loss for an explanation. All of this made me think of several books in my library. I have several of the excellent Missing 411 books from the series by David Politis. In the various books, mister Politis describes the cases of people that have gone missing in America's wilderness and the strange circumstances surrounding those disappearances. He had identified several clusters of missing persons cases throughout the US and had plotted them on a map of North America. The meadow is located in one such cluster. If we had not had our protocols in place, requiring teams to consist of at least two members and also requiring a radio, map and compass, and an open radio net when personnel are afield, could this have turned out differently? I wondered if a chapter in a future book of Mr. Politis could have included my name if we had not taken these precautions. Thankfully, we will never know.
0: So, I mean, there's some correlation there, uh, missing 411 and this spot. And I did look at the, the, the missing 411 map, and there does appear to be a cluster in that region. All of this reminds me of some some weird stuff. The first thing, I like, was uh, like, okay, you got Skinwalker Ranch, you got portals, you got orbs, you got uh, weird, strange creatures, and they're, they seem to be interacting with this portal. It reminds me of a game that I used to play growing up called Rifts. Uh, it is a role-playing game by Palladium Books, and the Rift is a dimensional Rift in which... Uh, Demons, entities, magic users, dimensional beings come out, and they, they take over Earth. And some are good, some are bad. Uh, but they use these dimensional portals, and they're located at, on ley line nexuses. And uh, the ley line thing is something that uh, has been talked about a lot in spiritual circles. And uh, um, it's supposed to be like a grid of energy that uh, lays over this Earth. And they intersect with one another, and at those intersections, they're called nexuses, or nexi, nexies. And, um, and at those, those joining sectors, the nexus, that's a, a point of power. Like one, for instance, is like a Stonehenge. Um, another one could be this place, although I think this one is on the ley line and not necessarily a nexus point. Another one that could be on a ley line, Skinwalker Ranch. And if this uh, ley line uh, thing is true, well, then there should be a, a good explanation. They should know about this. They, the government, should know about this in order to to harness it in some way. And I suspect that uh, if it is true, then, then they are. Um, there was a book written called The Energy Grid, Harmonic 695 by Bruce Cathy, who talked about this. It's a very dense book written by a, a former pilot. And it's chock full of formulas and calculations. And he talks about an energy grid over this planet. I'm, I'm digging through that book right now to see if uh, anything can be gleaned from it. But uh, it's very dense. And he talks about UFOs and how they use this grid for, for travel. Uh, I think he gets into portals a little bit. So I'll be getting into that. But there is the brief synopsis of the meadow, its general location. And I will, I will dig in to some of the more crazy stories from this region. And with that, uh, maybe get some more understandings, uh, have a better understanding of what's, what's going on in Alabama. Uh, because it does seem like a pretty crazy place. Beyond all the paranormal stuff, Alabama's pretty crazy. Oh, yes. Did they catch those,
3: those elves with the orbs? Did they catch one?
0: No, they didn't catch them. They... Uh, they had, uh, are you talking about the one at the meadow or the, the hikers in uh, Europe? Well, oh, in the
3: meadow where they watched the guy like turn into an orb, then they chase him down and beat him. To well, a that, was, shim-
0: that yeah. was their friend. So, they, I mean, they, they saw their friend Bob turn into an orb. He was out hiking. He was going to a spot to investigate. And on his way back to camp, they picked up his FLIR signature, and, but they picked up an orb. And so then they saw that orb transform into the shape of a man. And it's all done through FLIR so it was the shape of an orb and then the body heat signature of a man. So yeah, they talked to him. And that's, they got his GPS and everything. So it's, uh, it's fascinating uh, fascinating stuff. I don't know where they go from here. Um, they would have to open it up to more researchers, I suppose, but then at that point you're, you're kind of tainting it. I think we need to get in that dimensional pocket and store some trash in there or something. I think, well... I think that uh, you might be joking around but that might be uh what I'd do if a, I found a, a a solution. another
3: dimension I just start dumping things in there.
0: It, it might be a solution to a lot of problems in in this world. You know I've been for whatever reason I've been watching a lot of shows about alternate parallel universes one is Fringe. I'm going back and watching the Fringe series. And then there's a new series, a newer series on HBO called His Dark Material, which is about a parallel universe that people can, can go to. Is you know, based and it, on
3: that terrible Golden Compass thing?
0: um, It's got a Golden Compass involved, but I don't know if it's based on the Golden Compass. It's um, the same series, yeah. They maybe. Have, it's, a, they have animals. and is it Pullman? They have they have a uh, Bill Pullman. Yeah. No, I think okay. the 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 author may be named Pullman. But each one of the people in the 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 alternate universe, not ours, the alternate one, they, they each have like an animal demon, an animal spirit guide, and that uh, they go go through life with their animal friends. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. That was a terrible movie. It was yeah. bad. It's a series, so I mean, I mean, I, it's a series on HBO. So the the Golden Compass movie might be bad. I don't know. I never saw it, but the series thus far. Uh, pretty good I'm into that kind of stuff I kind of like the the alternate universe stuff and uh, I like wizardry and uh, weird politics so it's kind of got some little politics involved it's got some wizardry and it's got some animals too I like it it's a winner for me
2: give us an email at our big dumb
4: mouth at gmail.com check out obdmpod.com for all the social media and donation links
6: Be a part of the magic